Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. Not to tell you people, I've been I've been watching the debates, but I have a problem. I can never I can't figure out how the DNC is scheduling the debates when I'm never around. They did it on Saturday before Christmas. They did the Saturday night before Christmas, and I couldn't watch it because I was going back east and I had to go to a party. And then this past Sunday it was on, and I'm trying to figure out how they're choosing the time so no one can see it. I mean, the Republican debate's on, and they propose, they say, talk about it, and it ends up being 12 guys and one woman, and it's just it's, it's just crazy. But this, it's, it's so interesting because both candidates, well, I'm not going to say O'Malley because no one listens to him, but the other candidates are just so, so great. I want to hear what they have to say, but the timing is so awful. So hopefully, if you're listening, DNC, please give us a time that I can watch it. Maybe like a Wednesday night at 8. You know, after the goal, 8.30, after the Goldbergs, it'll be good. So, anyway, uh, first, I bring it up because our, our guest today is Tanya Acker. How you doing, Tanya? Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. Now, I, I know you've been involved in politics and just been uh, on different shows. Now, what do you think? Why do you think it's such a weird-ass time for the, the debates to be on? So, my job now, like I used to go around and pontificate all these different about all these different political issues. But one of the things that I like now about being a TV judge is that it's my job just to listen. So rather than talking about what I see on a day-to-day basis or read in the papers, I'm, I'm engaged in this new experiment where I really want to listen as hard as I can. I wanna make sure that I'm paying attention to everything, you know, and not just sort of responding to things that I may have a knee-jerk affinity for. Uh, so with all that said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen this one out for the most part. I'm trying to listen. <laughs> I just want to find the debates. That's my thing. It's always just like a weird, there are weird times. You know, it's funny because you would think that in a major election, a presidential election uh, for the leader of the United States of America, the most important job in the world, frankly, that the people who are broadcasting the information about it would want to make sure that everybody had information, everybody had access uh, to to what these guys are and women are saying firsthand, but obviously that's not the case. Fortunately, you know we live in an era where people get their new a lot of their news secondhand. Maybe I should say fortunately or unfortunately, you know lots of folks read about what was said on Saturday night because nobody saw it. You're right, um, you know except for those of us who recorded it. But it really does seem to be a little strange that our firsthand access to that you, we've got to fight so hard to get that information firsthand kind of important what these folks are saying i think it's very important so now now you're from la yes sir and now as a kid how did you get on this path i mean to being you know a lawyer and you went to ivy league school and on tv but as a kid did you always want to be a lawyer were you fascinated by it you know it's interesting i think as a kid i was always a bit of a debater speaking of debate i i always enjoyed that i always enjoy trying to talk things out much to my parents chagrin i think i think they probably thought i tried to out talk them a little bit too much um, and frankly, one of the things that was most appealing to me about law school is that it was a degree where I could, one, both make a living because my parents made very clear that the trust fund I never had was completely spent and I needed to be able to make sure that I could support myself. Um, and two, I wanted to pursue a path that would sort of open up a lot of other doors. You know, I mean, I think a legal education, it can prepare you not just for a courtroom, but for all kinds of things. And so I really wanted that kind of flexibility. You know, I knew I wanted to be able to support myself. Um, I knew I wanted to be able to make a living. I cannot, I really cannot underestimate the uh, significance of that. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was keeping my options open. And, and law was just great for that, frankly. I mean, look at all the things that people do. You know, with law degrees, I didn't plan to be a judge on TV. <laughs> right. I mean, so you think about it, it's like it's such a different route, but it's great. I mean, yeah. it's something that that's the one thing that can open up. Now, how did you? I mean, I know Yale's pretty prestigious, but how did you? Did you love going to the East Coast, being oh, a California man. kid? I mean, I grew up there. It's cold. We want to come to California. No, I feel you on that because I grew up here, um, actually not too far from your studio in the San Fernando Valley. And uh, I first went back east for college. I went to Howard University in D.C. And D.C. was cold for me. I mean, my, that first winter, yeah. I, was, I saw a snowfall. I mean, I felt like I was in a storybook. And then the storybook got old fast when I had to try to drive in that. 
Um, but then New Haven was just an altogether different can of wax. I mean, in fact, I think when I was in law school, we had a couple of those record-breaking winners, which records have probably since been broken since I've been out of law school. But uh, I uh, let's just put it like this. I loved law school. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I was always very happy to come home for my breaks. I, I, I am a Los Angeles girl at heart. I completely embrace it. Well, you just get used to it. I was back east, and it was funny because I was back east at Christmas time, and it ended up being like 70, but it was always cloudy. I'm like, I can never move back here because even when it's 70, it's cloudy. You don't get like a real, real benefit of 70 degrees, which is sunshine and blue skies. Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty blessed that way. So now, now you, when you graduated law school, yes, what was your avenue you took? So my first job out of law school was really uh, phenomenal. I had the chance to clerk for a federal appellate court judge. Uh, interesting, I'm working for a really famous judge now, uh, Judge Judy, but my first job was for uh, a woman not so famous, but really uh, a powerful force in the law, Judge Dorothy Nelson. She had been, she was the first uh, woman dean of a major law school. She used to be dean of USC. She was the first female on a tenure track law professorship. Uh, and when I worked for her, she was a judge on the federal appellate court for the uh, Ninth Circuit, which is a level uh, right below the Supreme Court. So I worked as her law clerk for a year, um, which meant I heard decisions with her. I wrote recommendations on cases. I did her research. I, you know, I did drafts of opinions. I mean, it was it, for a, a job right out of law school, like you really cannot beat that. And aside from the fact that she's just the kindest, warmest most wonderful, incredible person I've ever met. She actually, she presided over my marriage a year and a half ago, and we worked together uh, on an organization that she now started, the Western Justice Center, which focuses on alternative dispute resolution. Uh, that's a long way of telling you how my first job kind of circles back around to what I'm interested in now, which is uh, trying to get people to resolve their disputes out of court as much as is possible. Uh, but um, it really set me on a great path. I mean, working for Judge Nelson, she was just, I mean, she's the kind of judge, I kid you not, you know, she served cookies in her chambers, cookies and tea. But I tell you, if you came to before her unprepared or you didn't have your legal story straight, she could give you a grilling. So I really, I learned a lot from her. She, she's really my, my first role model in this business. Sort of a mentor somewhat? Absolutely. A mentor, friend, guide. She's just, all of that, all of that. Hello, Judge Nelson, if you're listening. She's really remarkable. So through that, I mean, I know you started getting on TV after that in different shows. But I mean, how did you, how did that path go? Because you think you're working with this, you're working with her and you're going to, you're going to be, you're a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And did you ever think you gravitate towards TV or what was your goals back then? You know, I, my goals back then, interestingly enough, were really just to look at the thing that was in front of me, think about to what extent it could keep options open for something later but I really wanted to try to make sure that I was doing the job in front of me as well as I could. Sometimes I didn't do that, you know, uh, as, as well as I could. Sometimes I did it really well. You know, I, I think that one thing that if I had, not that you asked me to give advice, but here I am, so I'm going to give some unsolicited. Uh, one of the things I'd say to young people is that, you know, you hear a lot of kids these days, now I'm sounding like a grumpy old lady, but I'm not. But you hear sometimes kids sort of say, you know, I want to be this. I want to be the boss. I want to be a boss. I want to, you know, whatever, be a, somebody akin to, I want to be a judge on Shark Tank without kind of thinking about the fundamental pieces, like the blocks of getting there. So when I was clerking for Judge Nelson, no, I was not thinking about being on television. I was thinking about making sure that the legal research that I was doing for this federal judge was tight, you know, that it was right. Like that was my job and that's a big job. And so I think that sometimes, you know, when people are younger, and I still struggle with this, you know, frankly, I think that it's it's an ongoing thing. Like we sometimes get so caught up in like what we're wanting next that we kind of forget the magnificence of what it is we're doing now or how important it is. And how sometimes just from doing really well at the thing that's in front of you, other opportunities come up. You know, I mean, really, my the trajectory of my career has really, it's really just been a lot of 
unexpected things that came about uh, because of, you know, just almost serendipity. You know, it's been a story of different serendipitous happenings. I think that happens a lot, especially also in the entertainment world where yeah. it's just something someone goes in for a one one role, like a one day shoot. And then they like them that starts, you know, building up. Right. And it's just, you don't, you can't predict that. Now, you said some unexpected events came up. What are some of the events that came up that shaped you and your career? So, I, you know, if you just sort of think, I, I was working on, I went in to go work. I went in uh, to meet with the campaign manager of a mayoral campaign uh, a few years ago. A uh, woman, Carol Butler, she was running a, a mayor a campaign for the mayor the then chief, uh, former chief of police, Bernard Parks. And I went in to be her communications director, and she hired me to be her deputy campaign manager. And then she ended up, uh, she left the campaign before it was concluded. Uh, I followed her and, you know, had an opportunity to work with a client doing some other things, a client who had been a, a client at a law firm who kind of hired me to be their general counsel. Uh, because they just sort of fortuitously at the time that, uh, you know, things were happening, the things, some things were happening on the campaign and my boss was leaving, uh, they kind of fortuitously had a need. So that worked out. And then uh, I started doing different TV spots. I really, I have to say, cut my teeth in television on Fox News uh, debating with a lot of those good folks, Bill O'Reilly in particular. You know, I started he did a show about some Yale law professors who were suing the Defense Department. And since I'd gone to Yale, he had me on the show. And then I started doing Bill's show a bit. And then from Bill's show, I started doing Larry King quite a bit. And then, you know, all these things just, uh, they, they just sort of uh, well, you skyrocketed, you know, it was sort of a spiral effect. Um, you know, I, I never really knew what was going to happen next. I mean, even this show... I got a call. I was sort of in CBS's, uh, I, you know, I was kind of in their, on their radar because of some other projects I'd done. Uh, and I got a call one day saying, can you come down this afternoon uh, to meet with uh, CBS, some folks at CBS about a new show they're developing. And I went down that afternoon and, you know, one thing led to another and here I am on this cool show. So it's really like life is just unexpected. You know, I try to keep myself prepared for another cool, unexpected thing. Now, Hot Bench is uh, Judge Judy created, right? Yes, sir. And now she saw it in Ireland. Is that the story behind yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So she was actually in Ireland uh, you know, watching a three-judge panel in action. And in Europe, um, it's often quite common to have a three-judge court decide a case in the first instance. You know, in the United States, we normally only have three judge panels for appellate courts, like uh, the Court of Appeal for which I clerked. So she saw this three judge panel uh, essentially decide a case, you know, a trial, a case in the first instance, and um, decided it would be a great idea for American television. So she brought it back here and she and her team made it happen. Now, what's it like when they get that call and all of a sudden you sit there and go, I mean, Judge Judy's a legend. I mean, let's get real. Every yeah. if, if you don't, I mean, I know uh, someone had, you know, Valerie had said about some people thought she was in the Supreme Court. <laughs> but if, if you don't know who Judge Judy is and you live in America, it, you, there's something missing because, I mean, everyone knows who she is. So right? what's it like meeting her? So when I got that call, they didn't say that it was uh, for Judy. Um, they said it was, you know, the CBS show. Can you come down? And it was only when I got there and met with her executive producer and some folks from CBS that I learned that it was, in fact, the show that she was uh, developing. Uh, and so when I met her the first time, oh, my God, I got to tell you, it is just a horrible story because the meeting uh, was called for a certain time. There were a group of us meeting with her. You know, I got there like just even a few minutes early, you know, like what you don't want is to uh, <laughs> be late to a meeting with Judge Judith Shinelin, let me tell you. I knew that even before I met her. So I got there and like a whole bunch of people were coming into this office at the same time. And I said to the receptionist, uh, you know, I'm here for the meeting. And she was like, okay, I'm just really overwhelmed. Uh, just, you know, have a seat and I'll, I'll be right with you. So I had a seat and had a seat and had a seat and had a seat and had a seat. And then 
I someone else came out and said, are you here for the meeting with Judy? And I said, yeah. And she was like, oh my goodness, you should be in there. So um, this other person, very thankfully, uh, walked me into the meeting where I had the great, dis, like horrible, embarrassing, if you want to think about like one of the most horrible, deflating experiences of my life, it was to walk into this meeting with not only, not am I late to the meeting with Judy, but she's in the middle of discussing something, you know, with this group of people who are in the room where I was supposed to be, you know? And so I walk in, she kind of gave me a look <laughs> and continued. Um, and then afterwards, you know, whatever, she got the whole story about how I'd actually been not just on time, but a few minutes early, but because of some administrative stuff, uh, I, I was waiting for a minute. So what's the lesson in that? The lesson is, do you pipe up and say, excuse me, I think I'm supposed to be in the meeting? Or do you, as I then chose to do, kind of take a step back? She said she's overwhelmed. Let me let her figure it out. She never really figured it out. So that's actually, I think about that uh, story sometimes. You know, when I, you sort of have to balance, like how, how vocal do you need to be uh, sometimes in, in making your case? Now, how would you handle that story? How would, how would you handle that situation now? Uh, knowing what I know of the complete and utter horror, embarrassment. I mean, look, that look that you see Judy give litigants on TV, I got that look. I And I didn't know her. This was my first encounter. I got that look. So knowing what I know now, Stephen, I would say you have to very politely look at the time, look at the person who is the gatekeeper between you and uh, you know wherever you're supposed to be at a certain time, and really politely remind him or her that um, it's very urgent that uh, you not be late. So I, I would have probably, instead of just sort of politely taking a seat, I might have uh, more. I might have politely but more firmly pressed my case. See, that's advice for litigants too. Politely but firmly press your case when necessary. Now you meet her, and now is it? Are you definitely one of the three that's going to start off, or is there a process? For no, you there to was get the a job? process. So what was that process? Uh, there were different folks who you know come in, and we just sort of had to take a crack at uh, deciding a case. You know, there was some mock. They, we had some mock trials. It was essentially a mock trial, sort of a mock trial. Uh, competition in that sense. And so uh, she and CTD uh, made their decisions. And fortunately, thank everybody, I am here. Uh, and it's really been great. Now, did you feel confident when you, after the mock trials? Because sometimes, you know, people say, it's the old story, like with people go to an audition and they yeah. go, God, I stunk, but they call me back. Or they go, I killed it. And they go, I can't even get a call back. How did you feel after you were doing the mock trials? I, I felt... Um, you know, sort of knowing a little bit about this business and how it works, I felt like I had done my best, but that anything could happen. Like that's really, you know, I, I would say, a, a, I can say this more about Hollywood than, you know, maybe some of the other uh, areas in which I've worked. You can really do your best, but at the end of the day, it is, it's really just a gosh darn crapshoot. But you know, a lot of things are like that. I mean, some people think that trial and litigation's like that. Uh, you know, uh, politics certainly can be like that. You know, I, so no, I, I did not walk out. I walked out feeling certain that I, I did as well as I could have done. I did not feel certain that I'd get the job. So when they get in touch with you, they say, because I don't, I, it's different than Hollywood, you know, different than what I know. Like people say, there's a callback. You know, yeah. it's like that. Did they say, okay, we're making you an offer or no, did you have to no, go back? No, there were a couple of callbacks, you know, as they sort of filtered everything down and you know, we had like a few more run-throughs and different run-throughs. So it really, you know, there was, it was probably a series of two or three, uh, two or three callbacks before, you know, I had a sense that uh, it was final. And then even after the last one, you know, there's still always decision-making. I mean, you know, it's, it's a process uh, getting these jobs. But, you know, once all of the executives and everybody and Judy, you know, they, they kind of decided on their final slate, uh, I made the final slate and I was happy. Oh, you got to be happy. Now, <laughs> now really happy. explain to the listeners what the actual format is and when they tune in, what they will see. So here's what, you go here's what you're going to see. Here's what you're going to see when you watch our show. Uh, we get our cases uh, in the same way that Judy gets hers. These are real people 
from different small claims forums all over the country. Uh, they, we offer them an opportunity to be on our show. They're real people. They come on the show, a plaintiff and a defendant. <clears throat> and then there are three of us on the panel. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, you'll see real litigants, a real plaintiff, real defendant. Uh, they come on our show, and there are three of us, uh, me and my two colleagues, Patricia Domingo, Larry Backman, and... Uh, the litigants have the chance to argue their case in front of us, and then the three of us take the case back into our chambers. Uh, we hash it out amongst the three of us, and then we render a decision. So, you know, it's really a twist on the traditional court format because instead of having just one judge, you have three. Instead of just watching litigants engage with a judge, you get to see that, but then you also get to see judges engage with each other. Uh, we don't always agree, uh, that's for sure. So, you know, I think that the audience, the viewers have also liked that. You know, they've liked watching uh, these three <clears throat> TV judges uh, argue about the law. And our cases are real. It's binding arbitration, you know, when they come on, when people come on our show. So, uh, you know, we really, we, we, we try to get it right. See, it's so good that they are real because, I mean, I've put on some of these other shows and I go, wait a second, I, I saw that guy at an audition. <laughs> Right. Or I go, wait, I saw that guy do stand-up comedy. I said, <laughs> wait, I, that's not his name. And I always wonder, it's like you sit there and some, I, I saw one a few weeks ago. The name was like the most bizarre name. And I'm like, it had to be made up. It was like, it sounded, the, and it was the stupidest case. And I'm thinking, how do people watch this? I mean, at least yours is real. Yeah. And it also adds, when you have three people arguing who are good law minds, it helps a lot. Like usually you see the guy argue like, oh, he stole this. <laughs> and the girl goes, oh, he stole that. And you go, God, would you just make a decision? And then they always interview him. But so, I mean, have you had any really weird cases? And I mean, what do you guys argue about? Is it just different views on different things? Oh, we argue about all kinds of things. And I really, you know, I, I have to second what you said. I mean, I think the real value of our show is that it is real. You know, I like the fact that America gets uh, a little taste of what court is like, even though, you know, a, a TV forum is so much more efficient, your case will be decided so much more quickly, uh, frankly, uh, you know, in most cases than if you're in real life. So in that sense, there's a big advantage to it. But, you know, it is real. And I think that what we try to do on the show is when we're making our decisions or explaining a verdict, we try to let viewers know why it is we're deciding the way that we did. But we argue all, about all sorts of things. You know, sometimes we don't believe the same people. Um, you know, the two of them may find someone credible who I don't or vice versa, you know, or, or any combination of the three of us. Uh, we don't always agree about the application of the law to a certain uh, uh, you know, to, to, to certain kinds of facts. Um, you know, we've had all kinds, we've, we've, we've had, we've argued about all kinds of different things on the show, but it's really fun, you know, and, and what you say is true. It's, it's particularly fun, uh, because, you know, the three of us have such different backgrounds and, you know, pretty deep experience in our different arenas. You know, we all come from really different arenas. And so that's, that's, that, I, I, that makes it interesting for us. And I think for viewers as well. Now, how is the response to the people that you decide when they lose a case? Do you ever get some ill will towards you? Yes. Or I mean, and how do you handle that? I mean, I know it's on TV, so nothing's going to happen. But I mean, you know how people get, they, people just get so yeah, bitchy nowadays. Sure. I mean, how do you deal with that? And you sit there and go, oh, this is what we came up with and you can't change it. You know, I, you know, the, the, the case that you see on television uh, is certainly edited because there have been times, you know, I mean, look, I've had uh, litigants uh, use bad language. I've had them say horrible, disrespectful things. You know, it's a courtroom. We've got security there. You know, I, I certainly feel safe at work. I, uh, you know, I, I think that I and some of my colleagues, we've sometimes, you know, we, 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 we get social media hate from time to time. We get more social media love, fortunately, than we do <laughs> social media hate. But, you know, I mean, that comes with it. When you are putting a process out there in the public for people to look at and enjoy and maybe learn something from and be entertained by, then you have to expect that there's going to be feedback, you know? And so, 
a lot of people like what we're doing. I think we get uh, a lot of positive uh, notes, I think, when people think we get it right. But when people think we get it wrong, they don't mind telling us that, too. So welcome to America. <laughs> what is your production day like? Like when you shoot when you're shooting the show, because I know a lot of game shows and stuff and different things and shows, they tape a whole bunch in one day. Yeah. Now, what's and that must be a very long day just because it's not like hosting a show. You guys have to use your mind. You have to decide because you are making a decision that will affect someone. Bottom yeah. line. So what is the day like when you go tape your show? We uh, tape a week's worth of shows in a day, so our days are pretty long. However, uh, we've got time in between our tapings, you know, to get our cases. So we get all the cases in advance, you know, because again, precisely to your point, you know, these are real decisions. It is binding arbitration. We do start the case prepared, so uh, we get the pleadings before the tape day, uh, so that we'll have a chance to look at them and you know do whatever research. Uh, uh, we think might be necessary. Uh, so, you know, when we're taping, it's a pretty long day, um, but we have plenty of time between taping to get our cases, review the cases, you know, and, and get ready. So, you know, while our days are long, I think our schedule is, is more than manageable. Now, because you work with these two other judges, yeah, do you sort of sit there and know where they're going to go? It's like, I watch Shark Tank. Like, you know, in Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful's always going to be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Robert's going to be nice. Lori's going to pitch QVC. And you know that. But with this, do you know which way they're going to go in a case because you've worked with them in so many cases? No, um, I, we, I really don't. I mean, and that's really one of the great things about us. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's really one of the cool things about doing a court show. Uh, as opposed to what is also one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank, uh, is that we really are obligated to approach each case uh, on its own, on its own merits. You know, we've got to look at it independently. We've got to apply the legal precedents that we think applicable to it independently. Um, you know, we, we're not, we don't really have the luxury of just, you know, being a type and then saying, okay, I'm going to approach all of my case, these cases within this lens. You know, I mean, as, as, uh, television judges, uh, you know, we really have to, we've really got it. We've got to give our litigants uh, more due, you know, they're, they're due, they're, they're entitled to more than that. Uh, so I, I really don't know, you know, sometimes uh, they surprise me. Patricia and Larry surprise me all the time. And I, I think I, them. Now, is there any cases that have stuck out in your mind that you said, I'm really glad the way this was decided? Oh gosh, one case that's hard. No, just a few. Um, right? I mean, does that, that that does happen where you go, this is really a good... You know, I'll tell you, some of my favorite cases are the ones where we get people to work it out. I mean, from time to time, we've actually had litigants who, after they put their cases on the table, uh, they will resolve it. We'll say, do you want to resolve it? Sometimes they say, no, we don't want to resolve it, and then we resolve it. But a few times they've actually said... Uh, we think we can work it out. Um, those are without doubt my favorite cases. We had another case with this little kid. <laughs> this little kid, I think he was like seven or eight. His name was Barack Obama. <laughs> and his um, someone had sued his mom because they said that little Barack had thrown rocks. And his mom was sure that he would never do such a thing. But then, you know, I, I put this sweet little boy, I asked him some questions very nicely, and he admitted that he did it, and he apologized, and he apologized to his mom. It was very sweet. So my favorite cases, frankly, are the ones where people kind of being presented with the undisputed evidence of their not having a case, or they're having a case, or maybe if they're needing to work something out with a neighbor, you know, my favorite ones are the ones where they're like, let's just figure it out and act like grownups and show America that you really don't have to litigate every single thing to death. Those are my favorites. Well, you said earlier about the litigation, you're an advocate for people working outside of the courts. Yes, absolutely. Now, how did you get involved in that? Was that from the show? Or is that something you always believed in? No, I, I've always believed in it. So as I mentioned, my first job out of law school was for Judge Nelson, and she started this organization, the Western Justice Center. Uh, which is really devoted to promoting alternative dispute resolution. You know, it's a group of lawyers and judges, you know, people who are really in the mix of the legal system. Um, and I think who have a great, uh, a lot of knowledge about its inefficiencies. And I think and as, a con as a consequence, 
what a lot of us want is for people to take advantage of alternative dispute resolution mechanisms. I mean, court, you know, people have a really romantic view about what it is sometimes, you know, I think based on what they see on television. Uh, in real life, you sometimes have to wait a long time to have your case heard. Uh, if you're in certain types of proceedings, you know, they can just get warped by every sort of frivolous machination. You know, I mean, I've had, I, I talked to a, a family, a friend who's been practicing in the family law courts uh, for about 20 years. And she said that since the time that she started practicing, that arena has just become the Wild West. You know, and so I, I think that there are a lot of things about our judicial system that are broken and are in need of repair. You know, I think that, for instance, it's far too easy uh, to bring a frivolous lawsuit. I think it's far too hard uh, to seek justice for that. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just think there are a lot of problems. And I think that in, as we're trying to figure out ways to make it better, uh, people who are dependent on legal services should really look at all of their options. And one of, the, one of their options is not going to court. You know, it's finding a neighborhood dispute resolution service uh, it's sitting down uh, with the mediator, somebody who may help you solve your case for free, uh, you know, and in the process allow you perhaps to get much more stuff off your chest than you will if you're in someone's courtroom, you know, a really crowded courtroom with a heavy docket. You know, I, I just think that people should examine more of those options, you know, and, and not romanticize what the court process is. Well, the frivolous lawsuit is just, I mean, you're right, it's out of control. I mean, I just saw the other day where that guy who beat up the Uber driver is, su is suing the driver for $5 million. Don't and get me I, I sit there and I go, that's just, that's not right. Don't it's get like, me started. why? Tell me, tell me what that irks you so bad about I, I, that. I tell you why it irks me is because, look, I, I also sit on the board of public counsel, which is the provider of largest sorry, it's the largest provider of free legal services in the country. And um, I really have a great passion uh, for the court system. I think it's really important that it be there and available as a tool to remedy uh, injustices of which there are many. I mean, there are so many people who can't get to court, can't get lawyers, can't get their cases heard uh, because we're so busy tied up with people trying to you know, win the lottery and contrive the most frivolous uh, yet lucrative lawsuit that they can concoct. And our current model of pleading uh, precisely allows for that. And so at a minimum, you sometimes have got to go through this system, hire somebody, figure out a way to get out of it. And then if it turns out that you've been sued frivolously or in bad faith, you've got to bring a whole other lawsuit for malicious prosecution. I mean, there is something that is really, really broken uh, about that. And when I see the system being uh, clogged up with those kinds of cases, you know, whereas uh, folks who don't have access, you know, uh, who are subject to regular injustices have to beg and plead to try to get somebody to pay attention. Uh, it, it does. It, it really does make my blood boil. Okay, well, that's, well, that's, that's, I think it does a lot of people does that. Yeah, for sure. I think that people are outraged by a lot of what they see happening. Now, what are some other projects you're working on right now? So, um, I am also on the board of trustees for a battleship, uh, the USS Iowa, which very famously carried FDR to the Tehran conference <clears throat> during World War II. And we are organizing a tribute to Vice Admiral Samuel Gravely, who's the first African-American uh, to be a fleet commander, first serve as a fight an officer on a fighting ship, uh, first admiral. Uh, and uh, so next month we're having a big tribute to him on the battleship. Uh, it's also sort of in tone with uh, Black History Month. And then I'm also working uh, with reInvent Communications. As, um, there are different initiatives uh, to kind of promote. Well, let me back up for a second. So as part of the president's initiative on the status of boys and men of color, um, reInvent uh, Communications, uh, an organization that I work with, you know, along with lots of other folks, have been trying to figure out ways of targeting disadvantaged communities, particularly uh, boys and men of color, you know, and, and thinking about ways to revitalize those communities, expand on the promise in those communities. What are people's ideas? Like, what are the ideas that are coming from the grassroots up uh, to try to solve some of these problems that we're talking about, you know, so quickly and casually on television? So, you know, one of the things that reInvent is doing is sponsoring a community challenge. Uh, and as part of that challenge, uh, we're soliciting 
people's ideas, you know, people's community, like what would you do if you are in one of these communities, if you are in an affected community, or even if you're not, like what are your ideas for solving some of the challenges that we're seeing uh, in poor, lower income, you know, and, and economically disadvantaged uh, areas around the country. You know, I think that people, we, we see a lot of top-down solutions. None of those seem to work. Uh, I think that people now are really eager for new approaches. And so uh, I'm working with reInvent to kind of launch this challenge to sort of see what ideas people have, uh, sort of to see what some of the grassroots solutions are that people have. Now, how do people find more information out about this? Um, He's just sending me a new, yeah, a new URL. Oh, good new. There's a new URL, people, so you can check this out. Because you have to, you have to do that. You have to look into, you know, this community's about to grow. You know, I had a guy on who who did the gardens where they do the grow the gardens in the community, and the kids learn how to cultivate a garden. He went to some bad neighborhoods, and he said they couldn't grow a garden on the street because the the stuff underneath was so the just had the soil and everything had just been so bad and covered up with cement and stuff like that that he had to grow them on rooftops. Well, and you know, I think that what you're seeing is that there are a lot of uh, really innovative solutions that people are coming up with. You know, and particularly, I think if you're talking about communities that aren't necessarily uh, the benefit, you know, where they don't have lots of resources, right? Where you don't have um, high income earners uh, who can are necessarily going to take projects under their wing. You know, you, people have to be a lot more creative and one of the things that I'm trying to do with reInvent is to sort of build partnerships between people and kids in some of these communities and uh, the folks who know how to implement change you know and people and decision makers uh, uh, whether or not it's somebody who can help provide fiscal resources or just mentorship you know I think a lot of the things that we're seeing in these communities is that uh, people are looking for leadership. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for someone to really show them how it's done. You know, they need more models for that. And so uh, I and reInvent and others, uh, we're really working to try to kind of build some of those bridges between, you know, people who can provide that type of expertise and the communities that need it. And so for more information on the reInvent Challenge, you can go to www.reinventcommunities.org. And use hashtag reinvent communities uh, to follow the conversation that people are having about this online. I really hope that, you know, again, whether or not you're a boy or a man of color or have one um, or related to one, you know, the issues that people are talking about um, in that community are really issues that are pertinent to, to all of us. You know, I think that there, it's really high time. Uh, that all of us, you know, I mean, we're in the middle of a presidential season where everybody's talking about how much, how bad things are and uh, how many things are wrong. I think that, you know, and I'm speaking for myself too, I think that now is a good time for each of us to sort of decide what it is we're going to do to try to contribute uh, to making some of those things better. You know, there's some, you know, there's some things that uh, we can't do on our own, uh, but there's some things uh, that we can. And so, you know, for my part, I'm just trying to be a little more creative uh, as to, you know, how I go about thinking about uh, you know, big problems, like some of the big social problems that we have. Now, how do you think we find more mentors? I mean, how do people get involved in that? I mean, it's something that you seem to be very attuned to helping out, okay? And the thing is, and there's people that want to mentor, but how do you think you find a good mentor? And what makes a good mentor in your eyes? Because you, when you got out of law school, you had a great mentor to work with you. Yeah, I mean, and Stephen, I think that that's a really core issue because, you know, for my part, I've been lucky. My first job out of law school, uh, was for this really uh, incredible uh, woman who's remained in my life, but some people don't have access to those sorts of resources. And so, you know, I, I think that one thing that we can all do, like those of us who are in positions, uh, you know, where we think we may have something to offer, you know, join. Uh, I, I'm also on the board of the Boy Scouts, uh, the Western LA County Council, which, by the way, uh, does not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. But, you know, um, being involved with uh, institutions like the Scouts, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, I mean, there's any range of uh, community organizations. But I think even beyond that, you know, sometimes people think that you've got to go join an organization or go sign up for somebody else's group in order to be of service. And, you know, you really don't. You know, maybe 
your assistant has a kid uh, who could use a few words. You know, I mean, there are all sorts of opportunities that we have, I think, for reaching out, you know, and connecting with uh, kids or, you know, younger people with whom we may have particular connections. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, as part of any kind of organized institution. Now, how'd you get involved with the Boy, Boy Scouts? Because it's funny, my high school, my graduating class, we had five Eagle Scouts. That's pretty good. And I sit there, and I don't think about that. And someone put a picture up on Facebook, and I went, "That's that's a you know, being an Eagle Scout is a huge accomplishment." Yeah. Now, how did you get involved with the Boy Scouts? Well, you know, they reached out to me. Um, I was uh, used to practice law with uh, their a member, one of their board members, uh, who also worked as their legal counsel. And this particular board member was going to go be president of the board, and they needed a new legal counsel. So. He asked if I uh, would step in, and it was also at a time when this particular council, uh, the Western LA County Council, uh, was really kind of grappling with its position on the uh, inclusion issue, which was different than National's position. Uh, you know, the, the National organization uh, was not as inclusive as our local council was, and so one of the things that uh, the council wanted help with was, you know, uh, not just handling various legal matters, but also, you know, how to navigate the really delicate space that we were in when we were, you know, essentially saying, we believe that everyone, uh, regardless of uh, race, race, creed, sexual orientation, uh, should be allowed to participate in uh, the scouting mission, provided they're committed to, uh, to that mission. And so um, they asked me to come on to sort of help them with legal matters and also to kind of help uh, kind of navigate the I guess our, our communications posture uh, as as far as that went, and then you know national I guess has moved the ball a bit. Uh, still, uh, I think not as far as I would like, um, but uh, you know I, I absolutely love working with the scouts. You know, I mean I, I love working with these kids who are committed to their communities. Um, you know, I think there's something about an Eagle Scout. I'll tell you that I've gone to our Eagle Recognition Ceremony. Uh, and there's really something about the discipline and the community service and the focus that these kids have. I, I think it is to be encouraged. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Scouts. I think it's very discipline and dedication because, mm -hmm. you know, I was I was a wee blow and then I was just I was bored with it. And I said, <laughs> I, mean, I, I was I got like through, through Cub Scouts and when I was like, yeah, it's not for me. But, you know, these guys, there's so much they do. And just the merit badges. I mean, they have a whole sash. I like two from Weeblos. I was like, oh, I, I look like a dope. No, they had a, I actually, um, I was the judge for a mock trial as part of our law merit badge because we give out a law merit badge. Uh, and yeah, I just think it's great. You know, it gives these kids uh, a chance to kind of explore some different things that they're interested in, different hobbies, different pursuits, but you know, a lot of which have uh, a nice uh, community focus. And we also have an explorers program. You know, there are opportunities for girls and the scouts so I, I just, I, I love it. I love my colleagues on the board. I love the work we do with kids. Um, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be a part of, of that organization. Well, you seem to be involved with a lot of stuff. I mean, you're, 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 you're very much a role model because, I mean, you are. You, oh, I'm, oh, my. <laughs> you are, though. You are when you think about it because you're involved in all these things. You're trying to make things better. And a lot of people don't do that. And, you know, and you do have a bit of celebrityism. So, you know, that helps out when people look at you and they go, okay, people see on TV and they may, as we said, people don't know when they see you on TV if all the stuff you do. How do you, I mean, how do you get involved with some programs? Because I'm reading in your bio, you know, you're, you're sitting on boards in Tennessee. You're sitting on <laughs> all these things. How do you get, I mean, how do you find the time in a day to do all this stuff? And how did you get involved with the, the, the ones in Tennessee about the emissions and stuff well, like that? So um, the Tennessee uh, emissions work, um, I'm a little less involved with now because that spring, uh, that sprung from work I was doing with a client uh, that, uh, for whom I worked. Um, but I've since resigned from that board, although I still love this uh, company and I love that client. But um, a lot of my work, you know, it's just stuff that I started doing when I was a lawyer. I mean, my very first job in law school, my, it was my first year summer internship. Uh, there was a pro bono project where we helped people who were trying to get general relief uh, process their applications. We all basically just went down to the GR office and helped people fill out the paperwork and that uh, was that activity was sponsored by public counsel uh, and then subsequently I worked on different public counsel cases uh, when I was practicing law and then you know one of my colleagues who was on their board asked me to join their board 
you know, with the Western Justice Center, uh, Judge Nelson, who started the organization, asked me to join the board. So, you know, a lot of these activities have just sort of sprung up from things I was really interested in organically. You know, I've been working uh, with reInvent Communications, uh, you know, in a business way for uh, many months now um, on different projects. Uh, and, you know, when they offered me the chance to participate in this community challenge, uh, it really is right up my alley because I'm really interested, you know, because look, I, I'm just a lawyer and I'm a judge on television. I think that there are great ideas out there. Uh, that are coming from people who may not have access to a platform to share them. So if there's something that I can do to help create a platform where smart people with cool ideas can share them, then I certainly want to be a part of that. What was it like working on a presidential campaign? I know you worked with Kerry Edwards. What is that like? I mean, is, it, is that just a whirlwind because there's so much stuff going on and it's got to be like a stage? I mean, you think about it. It's a presidential campaign. It's, it's not like you sit there and go, oh, yeah, I'm helping the mayor out. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a president. It's for the president. What is that like? And I mean, how did you get selected? So um, what happened, I actually reached out to some people who were working on the campaign and said I wanted to be involved. And so one of the things I did was uh, I worked on uh, entertainment industry outreach. I, I tried to, I was working on getting talent, different folks to do campaign ads. And then toward the end of the election, um, I was one of the lawyers who was dispatched to different swing states to monitor polls and poll activity. So I went to New Mexico and it, there really is a lot of adrenaline and something like that. I mean, you know, I was sitting in New Mexico and I remember being on the phone, you know, at some point with somebody who was in Ohio, you know, we were both thinking that, you know, our guy was going to win. I mean, that's what the poll said. And then, you know, they swing another way and then you go to sleep not knowing and then you wake up losing. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it is, it's very emotional. It's very, uh, it's very high stakes, but it's really great. Um, you know, I mean, even for all of the disappointments that, people have with our current political system and the process and, you know, what sort of seems to be the craziness of election seasons, like our system works pretty well. You know, I, I would challenge anybody to present a model that does better than we do under the circumstance, under our circumstances, you know, where we've got such a diverse, uh, enfranchised population. Uh, you know, I, we don't all exercise our franchise, but we should. You know, but I, I think that all things being equal, um, you know, it's a pretty impressive system. We should be proud of it. So why'd you pull away from that area? Was it just something, it's something you did it, you wanted to do it? And it, was it just, I mean, as you said, it's probably exhausting and it is emotional. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I did it. I, I never really wanted to be one of those people who was doing it as a career all the time. You know, I sort of want to have a different end in mind than simply uh, getting somebody who I, I, uh, who I like and respect elected. Um, I'm definitely glad I did it. You know, I'm definitely glad that I, you know, I had the chance to sort of uh, to, to participate it, in it in some way, you know, but I mean, again, I wasn't like in the real action, like the people who are really in the action or, you know, in the car with the candidate, you know, making those kinds of decisions. I, I was never anywhere near that close. So now, do you like do you like being on TV? I mean, has it changed your life in the fact that like, will you get a table somewhere? I always like people. I mean, you're recognized because your show's on. How, We're on every day. Yeah. We're so on people every see day. you, and it's a lot of times. It's like you know, the only times you guys aren't on is when there's one of those car chases. <laughs> <laughs> Which my girlfriend, when she moved out, she's like, why, why isn't any TV? And I said, honey, it's a car chase. We're gonna, we're, you're going to sit there until it ends. What is it like, I mean, for you to be on TV, do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy getting recognized or is it do you want your... I, I, I do enjoy being on television. I think it's really fun. I think my job is really fun. I mean, I don't know. Look, I live in LA. There are so many people in this town who are way more famous than I am. Right. So I don't, get, <laughs> I don't think I get any special treatment. But, um, you know, I, 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 I'm treated just fine, I, um, but I really do love the job. You know, I, one of the things that I do like about it is that it does give you this platform um, to talk to people and to share ideas and to have people, uh, you know, share things with you. Um, I've always been a big fan of having conversations and chatting with people who I wouldn't otherwise know or have the chance to engage with. So TV is a great platform for that. 
And I you absolutely make, love it. You make different appearances. You were on the Wendy Williams show. Yes, that was so much fun. I love West. Wendy Williams. She's like the she funniest person. I mean, what was that like? Because her crowds are great. They must have just loved you. It was like a club. It was like going out. I mean, there's such an energy there, you know, and the music is popping and like it's really festive. It was really, really lively. Her show, uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Now, Hot, your show is on what season? Uh, we're on our second season. We're okay. on our second season. And now is the new, when's the new season ready? Um, we should start that in, I guess, a couple of months or so. I, you know, I just, I just, I just show up to work when they tell me, Stephen. <laughs> they just give me a call time and I show up. But um, no, it's doing really well. Uh, people are responding very well to the show and to us. Uh, I've made lots of new friends on social media. If you want to reach out, Follow me on Twitter at Tanya Acker. Um, I am just I'm having the time of my life. Uh, it's just it's it's been a great time. It's been a really great time. Now, how can people get on the show? Is there is there a, like is do you know is there just something they contact the show? Because as you said, if they're solving res, uh, disputes, which something you're behind, yeah, not clocking system, and you're right. I mean, instead of going to a court, it's a lot easier. And you know how people are. On the yeah, TV, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are probably so excited. Right. And, they, and they're probably glad to get this solved. I mean, how do people get on the show? Do you know? You can go to the website, uh, hotbench.tv. Uh, you know, the way we get a lot of our cases uh, really are just from you know, different folks we have around the country who monitor small claims filings. And so they look at cases that, they've, that have been filed that they think would be good for the show. And then those cases make their way over to our producers and, you know, they are approved or not um, to be heard on the show. So, you know, you can go on our website. Uh, at the end of the show, I believe, um, there's info about how to submit a case if you if you want to. Um, you know, I, and it's one of the things I really like is like meeting, like some of our litigants are just fascinating. I mean, some of them are just incredible. I'm meeting... And I'm not even saying that sarcastically. Like I've met people who've come on the show, you know, who are just so well prepared. They are preparing better for their cases than, you know, I've seen some lawyers uh, prepare for cases in, in, in uh, civil courts. I mean, you know, some of our folks just do a really, really great job. So uh, bring us your dispute. We will be fair. We will do our very, very best to give you a fair and just adjudication. Now, do you still practice? Um, I am still affiliated with a firm, but the nature of my practice is such that it's really hard for me to take on new cases because I'm a civil lawyer. And so like the timing of a civil practice is such that it, I can't organize it around you know, my shooting right. schedule, right? And you know, no client wants to hear, oh, I can't go argue your matter now because I'm taping my television show. So I mean, I, I can still do, you know, I do a limited amount of consultation. You know, I still do some consulting on things. <clears throat> um, but uh, I don't really maintain the practice that I used to. Do you miss it? I mean, is it a certain part of you that I'm sure, I mean, everything's great with the TV and all, but there's probably some part that you miss it because that's, you know, that's what you're, you're raised I, up on. You know, I, there is um, a certain feeling that you have when you're trying a case and you win and, uh, or when you're arguing a big motion and you win or arguing an appellate, uh, case, you know, and you have a victory there, there is a certain uh, buzz that you get from that, um, that, you know, sort of comes from, you know, I, I think, like, having done that for quite a bit. You know, I, I, I haven't quite found that analog uh, in this arena, but, you know, I'm much newer to television. Um, and I really, I mean, I just have to tell you, Stephen, it is such a fun job. Uh, I have a great time with my colleagues, like hashing out these cases. Uh, I sometimes have a great time with our litigants. Uh, some litigants I find frustrating, but, you know, there can even be some some fun in that sometimes. But it really, um, I mean, I, I just couldn't ask for anything better right now. Now, do you want to pursue other areas of TV, like to, let's say, be on court TV as one of those hosts? Or is that something that you would look into? Or oh, no. I don't know that I'm necessarily thinking about anything like that. Um, you know, I, I think that right now, I, I really like this TV judging thing. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, I, it, it's, I, I think I'm, I've, I've grown into it a bit. You know, I, before I got this job, I was a, um, you know, I did some temporary judging. I was a judge pro tem in traffic court. 
But uh, in terms of like kind of being a day-to-day judge, I've done more of it in the show than I ever have. And, uh, and I, I like it, you know, it's a learning curve. You know, I, I just, I want to make sure that I do it right. Even though the cases aren't always that complicated, you know, there's still things you have to figure out, you know, you have to figure out whether or not you believe people, you've got to figure out uh, ways of testing whether or not they're telling the truth, you know? So I, I just, I feel like I, I, I still, I, I want to make sure I, I'm doing this job as well as I can first. We have a few minutes left. I want to ask you, Go through all the stuff you're involved in again real quick and how people can get in touch with it. And we have to follow you. Oh, no, do, you do you tweet a lot? Are you, are you an avid Twitterer? Uh, I am an avid Twitterer. So here is uh, what I would tell you. If you go to my Facebook page, Tanya Acker, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Tanya Acker. Um, I will uh, respond. I will, I'm happily I, I'm posting information uh, on my Facebook page now both about the reInvent Communities Challenge, uh, about the Admiral Sam, uh, Samuel Gravely uh, celebration at the USS Iowa and how you can get involved with those. Uh, if you're interested in public counsel, again, the largest provider of free legal services in the world because there are so many people, certainly the country. Some people say the world. I know for a fact the country. Um, but, uh, you know, again, we, we talk a lot about these frivolous lawsuits, but there are so many people who just can't, with good cases who can't get to court uh, because they don't have access to lawyers. So I hope you'll support us, publiccouncil.org. Uh, um, there's also the Western LA County Council of Boy Scouts. Uh, just go to my Facebook page. I've got all kinds of information for you. Uh, and uh, don't forget to vote. And now your Twitter is? Tanya Acker, at Tanya Acker. And now do you does Hotbench have a Twitter, do you know? At Hotbench TV. And don't forget to, yes, please... Uh, tweet us at Hotbench. Tell us what you think about our cases at Hotbench TV. Uh, we really love to hear from our fans. It's a lot of fun. And it sounds like you're really loving life right now. I am. And you're excited about the new season. I'm digging it. And you're excited about all this <laughs> other stuff. I mean, you're doing more stuff. I mean, if I wake up and have coffee and a bagel, I'm happy. Oh, come you're on doing now. all that. You're doing all that great stuff. Come on now. And so now, so now you have Instagram. I'm also on Instagram at Tanya Acker. Now, what do you, what kind of pictures do you put up? So I'm starting a new project that I'm actually just, I haven't talked to anybody really about this yet, but it's something I've been thinking about, uh, where I want to showcase photos of people who've made up, um, people who have made, solved their dispute. Maybe you went to court, maybe you uh, didn't go to court, maybe you almost went to court. I just want to see, I'd like to, I want to hear from folks who've made up. So that's my little project that I'm just telling you about. And you're announcing take, for the first time today. And you'll, they'll, you'll t- they'll take pictures and yeah, send them to you? Yeah, take pictures and then send them to me, and I'm going to do something with them. See, that'd be good, because there's, there's a site called, like, How We Met, and these people send these great stories. And people love that, because it's, it's feel good. And we have I so know much, the how. Yeah. So I know that I submitted site. for me and my girlfriend, and we didn't get on, and our story is great. And I, I was like, what the hell? Oh, my gosh. That's a small world. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's uh, the idea, I was sort of thinking through this project, and if we're thinking about the same person, the how we met person who is a friend, and uh, we, uh, you know, she's sort of, we've kind of been tossing around this, and I was like, I think it'd be a fun thing to do, because I'm doing some writing, uh, which is sort of about how to fight uh, differently, maybe fight smarter, um, if I can sum it up in a word, and, uh, you know, I, I think an interesting Instagram project would be to see how people who've been in the middle of fights, how they've made up. I'd just like to see them post the fight that's after a, the fight. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. You have me. a lot this of stuff fun. going on. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> so follow her at Twitter, people. Follow her at Twitter, at Tanya Ocker. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. I tweet all the time. I, I'm a Twitterholic. Uh, also go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 465 episodes up there. You can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Instagram is uh, Instagram is coopertalk1. Also, if you have a mobile uh, phone or you're a tablet and it's an Android, go to the Google Play Store, and I have the Cooper Talk app. It's one word. You can find all my uh, episodes there. Um, I'm coming back into comedy. It's been a long time, but uh, this Sunday, January 31st, I'll be opening for House Sparks at Flappers down there in Burbank. So check it out. Follow me on Twitter. I have a link to Half Price Tickets. How's a great act. It's going to be a great show. And also, don't forget my other project, www.stopthesalt.com. You know, when I had my health problems, I went out and I wrote a cookbook. It's 120 
easy recipes, man. They're just for one. There's no pictures to intimidate you because I know people get intimidated. There's no long list of ingredients. If you don't have cumin, don't worry. You can cook without it. It's no big deal. So go to StopTheSalt.com. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. But if you get it at StopTheSalt.com, I make more money. And that's all it's about. And I'll sign up for you. So follow Tanya Acker at Twitter. Follow me at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, CooperTalk.net. Email Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. And I will be talking to you guys next week and have a great weekend.